Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. Uh, you can hear me okay? Yeah, great. Is, uh, is there anyone here at CIMC for the first time? Oh, wow, wonderful. Welcome. It's, uh, it's only my second time teaching here and my first time teaching one of these Wednesday nights, so we can kind of be here for the first time together. Yeah, great. <clears throat> so mindfulness of emotions. I think that probably most of us come to uh, meditation practice for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but in general, I would imagine that we're looking for some sense of of greater well-being or happiness or peace, some flavor of that in our life. And it seems to me that one of the most common experiences that gets in the way of us uh, feeling at ease, feeling uh, at peace inside are uh, the uncomfortable emotions that we experience in life. You know, one, one might say that um, life is only difficult to the extent that we have difficulty with the emotions we experience in relation to things. Yeah, so just imagine for a moment what it would be like if you didn't have any resistance or difficulty with any emotion that you experienced. Yeah? So one of the um, most common kind of misperceptions and fallacies that we bring to spiritual practice is the idea that it will make all of our uncomfortable experiences go away. Anyone who's been at it for a while (laughs) has seen the futility of that, yeah? Um, We can hold out hope for a long time, but but eventually it kind of dawns on us, like maybe maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Um, So sorry to disappoint you. But the kind of the kind of peace and happiness that's available through uh, meditation practice or spiritual practice is is um, it's not a perpetual high uh, where things just keep getting happier or better. It's uh, it's more a sense of spaciousness and ease with uh, the changing conditions of our lives. That whatever comes we have uh, the, the balance inside to not be thrown and that we have the, the wisdom to, uh, to relate to it in a way that's skillful, that doesn't bring uh, more pain to ourselves or others. Uh, and the, the process of uh, this transformation uh, happens it, it happens by studying the places that we get stuck. 
by actually studying the difficulties, the ways in which we actually do make things harder for ourselves and others, the ways that we actually add uh, pain onto uh, sometimes an already uncomfortable or difficult experience. And then we actually start to see, wait a minute, you know what's going on here? Why, why is this getting so much worse? Or how am I, how am I making this harder on myself? And our emotions are one of the primary primary areas that we tend to do that, because the the um, we feel them we feel them very strongly sometimes. <clears throat> when we can learn to relate to our emotions with more balance and wisdom, uh, we can develop a certain ability to be really at home, at home in ourselves, and uh, at home in our life. There's a certain kind of confidence that comes when we know that we can meet whatever arises in our own heart and our own mind and handle it. You know that it's manageable, and uh, and through that, a certain kind of dignity. You know that um, that we're fully here in our life, in the middle of everything, and and not not needing to uh, to manipulate or control our experience in order to feel safe or at ease, but that we really have a, a, a well of strength and resilience inside. So when we're born, and each of us has accomplished that so far, uh, we receive a certain inheritance in this life as a human being. Actually, we receive many different kinds of inheritance, inheritances uh, as we grow. So uh, as a human being, we each have a kind of biological inheritance that we, we receive, this body, um, with its five or six senses, and in the Buddhist psychology, the mind is the sixth sense. And uh, that's a kind of inheritance that we have. It's kind of developed over, you know, millions of years of evolution, and, and this, is, this is the kit that we get. We, we can see and hear and touch and taste and smell the world around us. And then with that, um, we are affected Right? We feel things, they touch us, we are affected by them. And our emotions are part of that inheritance. So this is just part of the way we're built, part of the way we're wired. We, we feel emotions as part of being human. You know, different, different kinds of life, different sentience uh, experience the world differently. You know, so probably other mammals uh, feel a certain, a narrower range of emotions. Um, you know, seems like maybe insects don't experience emotions. Who really knows? But you know, it's a different form of life. So they they still experience their environment, but they maybe don't feel things in the way that we do. We, uh, we have uh, an inheritance of history, of human history. And uh, you know, living here in the West, whether you've grown up here or not, you know, probably live here if you're in this room tonight. And uh, so we inherit uh, the history of Western civilization 
in a certain way and how that's shaped our mind. And uh, this is significant in terms of uh, our emotions because um, for the last two or three thousand years, uh, since the time of the Greeks at least and Plato, uh, emotions have gotten kind of a bad rap. You know, the, the passions that need to be subdued by reason. So we inherit that. You know, even if you haven't studied Greek philosophy, I certainly haven't studied it much. But, but that frame, that way of looking at our experience, we receive that in some sense. It gets communicated to us that emotions are irrational, right? How many of us have that belief, even if not consciously? They're not rational. They're dangerous. We need to somehow subdue or control them. Yeah. When you really step back and look at it, that's kind of an interesting idea that this part of us that's completely natural to our organism, we somehow need to control or subdue or that it's something wrong with it. So that's part of our inheritance. So it's important to know that. We each, uh, we each have a certain kind of cultural inheritance, you know, based on our family of origin and the particular patterns that we grew up with based on... Um, our ethnic or religious background. And so, you know, for each of us individually, just coming to consciousness of what are my patterns there? What, what are my conditions that I've inherited from my family, from my culture, from my religion, from my ancestors? You know, I, uh, I grew up Jewish, and um, in, in, in Jewish culture, uh, similar to Italian culture, cultures, emotions are, it's all out there, you know, There's, it's not, uh, it's very, very normalized and welcome to express uh, emotions very vocally and, and openly. Other cultures are different. So just knowing our own, our own conditioning in that way. Uh, and then we have the, uh, the effects of uh, socialization of, you know, whatever society we've grown up in. And the uh, lessons that we're le- that we learn implicitly, uh, the the gender role we've been assigned, and what emotions are acceptable for us to feel or express, based on that role, yeah. So learning to uh, relate to our emotions more wisely. This is kind of the broad frame. You know, this is the bigger picture, really zooming out and seeing, you know, what, what, am I, what am I coming to this moment with? And then we encounter meditation practice. I think that the, uh, the, the essence or the summary of meditation practice, mindfulness practice, is... Uh, about two things. It's knowing what's happening and learning to relate to it wisely. Understanding how am I relating to this. So just knowing what's happening isn't enough. Lots of times we, we learn about or hear about mindfulness and oh, just pay attention, just pay attention. That's actually not enough. There needs to actually be understanding about what's happening. And in that understanding, seeing how am I relating to this? You know, what's really happening in relation to this experience. 
So based on our conditioning, our personality, our history, um, we bring different relationships to our emotions. And this is one of the areas that we, uh, that we start to study and learn about in ourself, in our own practice. So um, I've, I've developed, I've been teaching about emotions the last, uh, last couple months. It's been um, just an area of interest of mine. And I've developed a little kind of shorthand for uh, how to practice with emotions, a little mnemonic device that I'll share with you, and then I'll, I'll talk about it. So it's the ABCs, ABC, and then there's a apostrophe S, ABCs, there's an there's an S at the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so what are the ABCs of emotions? Um, again, the general thrust is just a sense of, of knowing what's happening and, and uh, developing a wise relationship. That's the essence of it. So the A is for awareness, developing awareness of our emotions. The B is for balance, having a balanced relationship with them. The C is about cultivating a particular relationship with them, a relationship of curiosity and care. Curiosity being interested in them and care, a sense of friendliness and and kindness towards our emotional experience. And then the S is for support. For particularly difficult emotions, it's often helpful to have various kinds of support. So, um, so I'll, I'll use just this framework to kind of lay out some of my ideas about how we can practice with emotions uh, in our lives, in our meditation practice, uh, to understand them and relate to them more wisely and then hopefully over time have more freedom in relation to them. So there's a story in the... Uh, uh, in the early texts about the Buddha, that um, his attendant, Ananda, who who was his cousin and spent uh, a lot of time with him during his 45 years of teaching, um, was uh, hanging out with some of the monks. And they were talking, they were talking about the Buddha. And the story goes that the Buddha walked in and the room became very quiet all of a sudden because they were talking about him. So the Buddha asked, what's going on? (laughs) They say, oh, uh, Ananda says, oh, we were just uh, talking, Venerable One. And the Buddha says, oh, wonderful. What were you talking about? Uh, Well, we were talking about you, Venerable One. He says, oh, really? Well, what were you saying? And so Ananda begins to share that he was recounting to the monks the... um, the stories that he that Ananda had heard from the Buddha about his life, and about the quote marvelous and wonderful qualities of the Buddha, and uh, he starts recounting some of the more legendary, miraculous stories about the Buddha. How, when he was born, you know, the earth shook and there was light, and the devas were singing, and kind of all of this very kind of mythic, mythic stuff. And as he goes through. Each one of the mythic stories, the Buddha kind of says, yeah, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's true, okay. And another one, what else, another one, what else? And he kinda, Ananda kind of goes through this list of all these amazing things and saying, you know, and this is one of the marvelous and wonderful qualities of the Buddha, that this happened. And the, 
So the Buddha listens, and and Ananda reaches the end of his list, and the Buddha says, uh, "Very good. You know, all that being so, Ananda, uh, make sure that you remember this too." as one of the marvelous and wonderful qualities of the Buddha. That he knows as they arise his feelings. He knows them as they are present, and he knows them as they subside. Remember this, too, as one of the marvelous qualities of the Buddha. Remember that the Buddha knows as they arise his thoughts, He knows them as they are present and as they subside. And he knows the perceptions that arise in his mind as they they come, as they persist, and as as they subside. Make sure you don't forget this as one of the marvelous, wonderful qualities of the Buddha. So that's pretty interesting to me. That after all these amazing, mythic, legendary things, the Buddha says, yeah, yeah, all that's true, but... But, you know, make sure you don't forget about this. I'm aware of what happens. The thoughts, feelings, and perceptions that come in my heart and mind. I see them as they come, as they're here, and as they, as they fade. Now, this is something that's accessible to each one of us. This is something we can actually train and learn to do. To know our thoughts and our feelings and our perceptions as they come and as they change and as they go. So the practice of awareness allows us to begin to do this, to see what's actually happening, what's actually moving through our consciousness. So in terms of our emotions, you know, the the first and most basic practice is to just simply be aware of them, to just simply start to note and notice, okay, how am I feeling, right? Like, what's going on? How am I feeling? just during the day, just tracking it, you know? Sometimes we can be kind of going along through the day and not even notice that we're feeling slightly agitated or slightly irritated or slightly bored or slightly lonely or slightly giddy, yeah? It's just kind of in the background coloring everything until suddenly you kind of notice, oh, wait, I'm feeling this way. I I remember when I was... uh, when I was a kid, I used to have um, I used to have a turtleneck. I grew up in New Jersey here, so you know East Coast winters, and um, it was a wool turtleneck. And whenever I wore it, I would I would feel so uncomfortable at school, <laughs> and I could I could never figure out why. And then one day I realized, God, it's this it's this shirt. It's all tight and itchy, and you know. <laughs> So our emotions can be like that sometimes. They're kind of there, sort of nudging us in the background, and we don't, we don't really fully notice it. And then all of a sudden, someone says, like, are you okay? You seem a little down. Or, you know, and go, oh, yeah. You know, I am kind of down. Thanks. And then something shifts, just by seeing it, just by being aware of it. So just naming our emotions. So noticing them and actually naming them. So recognizing what the emotion is and giving it a name, this helps to begin to establish a relationship with it when we can name the experience we're having and put, put a label on it. 
So part of, part of this process, sorry, part of this process is uh, means that we begin to actually expand our vocabulary, our, our sensory vocabulary for our emotions. Often when we start, there's just a handful of emotions we can name, you know, sad, happy, mad, uh, confused, scared. And then we start to see more of the, the nuances of emotions. You know, I'm, I'm joyful, or I'm delighted, or I'm grateful, or I'm contented. I'm interested, I'm bored. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed, I'm irritated, I'm listful, I'm melancholy. You know, all of the different flavors of emotion that we can experience as we start to become more aware and name them and actually notice them. And, uh, and, and then life actually becomes more rich actually can receive the fullness of our experience. Part of this becoming aware of our emotions is also about just accepting them. So the A for awareness, but also for acceptance, that when we become aware of something inherent in that, there can be a kind of acceptance, like this is happening, you know? This is the truth right now. This is reality, is that this is the feeling that's present. And from the perspective of the meditation practice, our aim is not to change our emotions. It's not to make them go away or make them different. It's just to create space for them, to simply allow them to come through, to be felt and known and learn from them. So sometimes when we become aware of an emotion, uh, like in that story of someone saying, you know, are you feeling a little down? Sometimes just in becoming aware of it, it shifts. Or it even vanishes. Sometimes I was uh, teaching a retreat recently and one of the yogis was saying like, hey, sometimes I, I, I become mindful of an emotion and as soon as I do it, it disappears. Is that okay? Like, you know? Do I need to go find it? <laughs> no, it's fine. If it just if it goes away, it goes away. You know, other times the emotion will persist. You know, if it's stronger or there's something going on, and then we can continue to be mindful of it, to be aware of it, to, to name it, know it. I'll talk a little bit more about how to do that. So this is just becoming aware of our emotions. As we become aware of them, then the next step is looking at how we're relating to them. How am I relating to this? And this is a central question for meditation practice. How am I relating to what's happening at any of the sense doors, including the mind? Whether it's a thought, a feeling, a sound, a story, a sensation, an emotion? How am I relating? How am I with this? So we're aiming for a relationship of non-reactivity, of non-resistance, one of balance. This is where the B comes in, one of balance. So being able to, um, to open to the emotion, to actually be open to feeling it, so rather than suppressing them or indulging in them or acting them out, to just be able to experience them 
And this is this uh, sounds simple, but uh, it's actually quite subtle. You know, and we learn more and more on refined levels how we we mess with experience. You know, we get in there and try to mess with it, to tweak it a little, or to you know control it some, or manipulate it, make it less, make it more. The the nice ones. Oh yeah, this is good. Yeah yeah, keep going, keep going. But just just to just to allow it to come through us. And as we start to study our relationship with our emotions to see, am I balanced in relationship to this, not pushing or pulling, um, we start to learn our habits. We start to learn more about our conditioning, the particular inheritance that we have. You know, which emotions, um, which emotions are safe for you to feel and which ones aren't? Which ones do we accept? We say, yeah, this is okay to feel for me, but the, but those ones, those are not, no, 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 don't go there. Not okay to feel those. Which ones do we judge ourselves for feeling? There's something wrong with me for feeling this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Which ones get linked into our self-worth? You know, if I feel this way, then I am good or bad or worthy or not worthy. We give ourselves a plus or a minus, you know, kind of based on the emotions we're feeling. So just to see all of that, to start to begin to become conscious of this whole world of reactivity we're creating, the meanings we're assigning to these very natural experiences that just come and go. Essentially, there's three categories of the way that we relate to any experience, including our emotions. We either like them and want them to stay around in some fashion. The opposite. We don't like them and we want them to go away. Whether that means uh, trying to run away from them and escape or pushing them away, getting angry at them. They both, both of those, the running away and the, and the lashing out, are both, a, both the same energy of go away, I don't like you. Um, or we don't care. We just kind of check out. Doesn't matter, don't care, ignore. So those are, the, those are the three kind of habitual ways of relating. Anyway, you know, if you've studied Buddhism a little bit, it's greed, hatred, and, and delusion, right? So instead, the practice teaches us to be in the middle, to just stand in full awareness. And it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of presence, and it takes, um, it takes balance. Because it's, it's not a static thing. It's like walking a balance beam, it's always changing, it takes poise to stay in that middle. As things change, as the mind changes, Part of coming into this relationship with balance is based on on how we understand emotions and understanding that from the perspective of meditation practice, all emotions are acceptable. All emotions are created equal, really, from the perspective of the meditation practice. The pleasant ones, the unpleasant ones, they all have the same nature which is that they change, they're impermanent. They come and they go, just like the weather. You know, so when, when a, a storm comes through, like it's raining today, you know, we don't get all bent out of shape, you know. 
why is it raining? It's just rain. And we know that, you know, tomorrow it might not be raining or it might be snowing and then it just changes. It's not a big deal. It's just the weather. So our emotions are the same. They come and they go. They change based on conditions. But we forget this. They seem eternal when they come. It seems like it's going to stay around forever. Did you ever experience an emotion that, was, that, never, that didn't change? But did you ever experience an emotion that seemed like it wasn't going to change? Right? That's the trick that the mind plays on us. It seems like it's going to be around forever. We'll never be free of this despair or depression or fear or anger, whatever it is. But it's not true. So even just remembering this intellectually can bring some balance to the mind. So these are completely natural, normal experiences, all of the emotions. Where we get into trouble is when we act them out unconsciously, when we're actually not aware of them. That's when emotions, uh, you know, destructive, negative emotions, and and even um, uh, out of balance, positive emotions can cause harm. When we act them out unconsciously, when we're not aware of them, and we don't have a, a relationship, a balance with them, that's when they can become problematic. And what emotions are we afraid of? We're af- we're afraid of them because of whatever variety of experiences and conditioning we have, you know, and then noticing that, say, oh, wow, look at this. Whenever I feel fill in the blank, you know, I get scared about that and try to make it go away or avoid it. And then just becoming aware of that pattern, of that conditioning. So instead, seeing if we can make space Can we make space for all of our emotions, just like the sky makes space for all of the weather that comes and goes? Making space, making room inside, being open to all of them. One of the things that happens with meditation practice is that um, As our equanimity grows, as our our ability to stay balanced grows, it's like we have a much wider space to live in. One of my mentors out in California uh, gave this wonderful analogy um, for that process. He said, like, imagine you're you're in an elevator with, um, it's a small elevator, and there's, you know, two or three people in the elevator, and Maybe their appearance isn't that pleasant, and maybe they smell a little bit, and um, maybe they're a little bit larger than you, and you just kind of feel like you don't have any space, and it's you know a little claustrophobic. You try not to breathe too much. <laughs> it's really unpleasant. And then um, a little while later that day, you're visiting uh, a cathedral or a chapel. Um, and it's big, stone cathedrals, huge vaulted ceilings and buttresses. And you're there, and all of a sudden you notice those same two people. And they're still the same people. They haven't changed it in any way. But they don't bother you at all. You don't feel uncomfortable at all. Because there's so much more space. 
So when our awareness gets large enough, strong enough, to meet these experiences that we have, the experience doesn't need to change. It can be just as unpleasant, just as smelly and stinky and, you know, gnarly. But it it doesn't phase us because our awareness is large enough that there's space for it to just be there. So just checking, how am I relating to this emotion? Is there balance? Um, With very strong emotions, it's important to have tools to come into balance. To, To learn to have some tools to orient ourselves, to stay connected to our environment, um, to know what helps us rebalance inside. You know, talking to a friend, uh, actually redirecting our attention sometimes if it's a very strong experience, very strong emotion, overwhelming emotion. When we're overwhelmed, we stop learning. So if the emotion is really, really strong and overwhelming and it feels like you're in that elevator, don't stay in the elevator. I gotta be aware of this feeling. That's not helpful. If we're overwhelmed, you know, we're not balanced. So we need the 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 the, the wise response is to actually do what we need to find balance in that moment. To get some space, to do something soothing, to take our attention away from that experience until there's enough balance and strength in the mind to come back to it. It's not running away. It's taking a break so that we have the resources to then meet the experience. Okay, so that's a little bit about balance, how we're relating to it. Uh, so emotions happening, come aware of it. It's okay, name it, check in, kind of balanced. Then the process is one of just making space for it, feeling it and bringing a spirit of curiosity and care. So this is about being interested in the experience and actually becoming intimate with it, feeling and knowing it directly and closely with a spirit of kindness, with a spirit of friendliness. So befriending an emotion. Um, The uh, Zen teacher and poet and activist uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about um, keeping, keeping your anger company with mindfulness. You know, don't leave your anger alone. Keep it company with your mindfulness. So, you know, can we bring that spirit of, of friendship to the emotion and keep it company with our awareness, you know? So as we, as we explore this terrain of just really fully feeling an emotion, um, one of the key uh, practices is to, is to put, the, put the story down. With emotions, there tends to be some kind of a story, whatever's stimulating it, whether it's internal or external. So to actually be mindful of the emotion, we need to just put the story down temporarily and just meet the emotion on its own terms to experience it directly, 
to just feel it right here, right now. What is this experience I'm calling sadness? How do I, how do I experience it? You know, where do I feel this in my body? Where is it? Is it in my, is it in my little toe? You know, is it, in my, is it in my gut? Is it in my heart? Is it in my chest? Is it in my face, my throat? Where is it? And what's it feel like there? What does it actually feel like? If you didn't have a word for it, if you dropped that word, sadness or anger or fear, whatever it is, if you, if you didn't have the word, how would you describe it to someone? So really starting to investigate it. What is it? What is this thing that I'm calling sadness? There's some, um, some, some phrases you can use for this that I've found really helpful. So... Uh, This is the human experience of, let's just take sadness. This is the human experience of sadness. To just, to just frame it in that way, right? Like everyone feels sad sometimes. So to just know that, okay, let sadness be sad. Can I just let the sadness be sad? That's its job. The job of sadness is to be sad. Just let it be sad, you know? And then can I just feel this? Even if it's just for a moment, you know, can I just can I just touch this with my awareness, a sense of gentleness and curiosity, just to touch it for a moment and feel it? How does it feel? That's healing. It can be profoundly healing to bring this kind of uh, um, balanced and gentle awareness to an experience. And then we can start to actually uh, investigate it a little bit. You know, uh, what's it made of? What's this thing made of? You know, there's sensations. There's probably thoughts and images. And what's the relationship between those? To investigate, how do, how do my thoughts influence the emotion? Which comes first? You know, what's going on there? Is there some kind of a perception in the mind, a sort of a meaning? You know, like uh, not good enough or all alone or successful. You know, these perceptions that we have or failure, right? These are, these are ideas that then get sort of uh, tied in with an emotion, and so we can miss that idea in the mind and just stay with the emotion and, and actually miss, wait, there's this kind of perception that, that keeps feeding it or that's connected to it. Part of bringing curiosity and uh, care, kindness to emotions is also um, being being interested in learning, learning from it. You know, what is this? Is there anything this is trying to tell me? You know, emotions are there for a reason. 
We don't just experience them randomly. They're often connected to something that matters to us. They're often a reflection of uh, some of our needs, you know, so when our needs are met, we feel pleasant emotions. When our needs aren't met, well, we feel unpleasant emotions. So not just staying on the surface of the emotion, but sometimes actually listening inward and say, okay, what's this about? You know, what's this really about for me? And not needing to analyze it or figure it out, but to just listen. To just kind of open up inside and just listen inwardly. You know, is there anything I need here? Sometimes uh, we might find that, yeah, there's actually something really important to me here and there's some action I need to take. You know? Sometimes there might not be any action we need to take. Sometimes the only action that's needed is the action of, of awareness, to just feel it and know it and allow it. And that's all it wants, is to just be felt. When we can do this, you know, when we can bring awareness and balance and curiosity to our emotions, then they can live their life. They can just live their natural life. They come, they're felt, and then they pass. They move through like a wave. Sometimes it's a little wave. Sometimes it's a big wave. Oftentimes they're sets of waves, right? But just to make the space for that to happen. And as we allow that process, something deep is learned. Something profound is learned. That we actually start to see the nature of these, of these experiences that they don't last, and that they're not who we are. That we don't have to be defined by them. That they don't mean anything about us. Doesn't mean anything about you to feel fill in the blank. So I'll just say a couple of words about the apostrophe S. So, um, you know, I think each of us has, uh, we've each got our strengths and our weaknesses. And so for each of us, there's probably certain emotion or constellation of emotions that can be really hard. Certain pattern is set up, certain kinds of experiences. There's, you know, kind of maybe one area or a few areas we get stuck. And for those kinds of experiences, it's really helpful to have support, to not need to try to do this, you know, practice with them on your own. And that support can look a lot of different ways. You know, the external support of community coming to places like this, you know, uh, meeting, meeting people. You know, if you're, if you're new here, introduce yourself to someone. If you've been here before, introduce yourself to someone. Make a connection. You know, very important part of the practice is having community, having good friends, um, having uh, um, activities that bring us pleasure, healthy pleasure, you know, exercise, movement, creative, creative things. These are all very, very important for us to have a balanced um, kind of life and energy. So community, friendship, um, activity. Uh, 
and finding support in these ways, support for the mind, studying, learning. <clears throat> nature is a great support for many of us, you know, getting out in nature, going to the park or further out. Uh, and then there's inner support, cultivating various kinds of inner support. So, you know, with particularly difficult or painful emotions, um, sometimes we need to just strengthen, right? It's like if you, you injure a, a part of your body and then you go to physical therapy, uh, that oftentimes they'll, they'll help you to strengthen all of the muscle groups around the injury, right? And then that helps the injury heal because it has the support it needs. So it's the same way in our heart. When there's been some kind of an injury or a wound, sometimes the way to heal it isn't to go into it directly, you know, and keep that principle of not being overwhelmed. It's to actually work around it and to provide enough strength and support for the other areas that it can then do its own natural work of healing inside. So, uh, you know, cultivating gratitude, having a gratitude practice every day, taking, you know, five minutes at the end of the day and just reflecting on, on, you know, two or three things that happen that you're grateful for and then dwelling on them. Not just, you know, that happened, that happened, okay, yeah, good, grateful. Just like you really... <laughs> Right? Just actually really receive it. Like, oh, wow, you know? That person left me a really nice note. That felt good. I so appreciate it. They didn't need to do that. That's so kind. Like, let yourself take it in and feel it. Cultivating gratitude, cultivating contentment. You know? Highly undervalued quality. <laughs> so. It's not so flashy. You can't sell contentment. It's all, we already have it. <laughs> but we overlook it, so cultivate contentment. Let's reflect on appreciation for the things, you know. You have enough food today? Do you have a place to sleep tonight? Do you have warm clothes to wear? Things are pretty good. You know? Bring it back to the basics. Cultivating kindness, compassion. The Brahma Viharas, you know, sympathetic joy, equanimity. So cultivating the wholesome states of mind and really strengthening them as a way of providing the support needed for difficult experiences and emotions. Okay, so I've, I've... said quite a bit, so maybe I'll stop here and just offer these thoughts for your reflection. I hope it's useful. And so now um, we have a, a nice chunk of time for some some questions and discussion. Uh, and and maybe we could um, what we could do is maybe start with things related to this topic, and then. Um, I don't know, maybe after 10 or 15 minutes, uh, if, we, if we peter out or we can kind of open it up to uh, more uh, questions related to your meditation practice or the teachings. 
So, and then maybe we, we use this. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.